Welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases. We're actually at a special location in the Hunter Valley at the Gumball Festival, and our guest, you may know him from winning Telstra Road to Tamworth a couple of years ago in the songwriting category. You may know him from his debut album, Love Inside a Jar, with the reasons to live. But you may also know him from playing the Gumball. The Gumball, for those that aren't aware, is a, a festival in the Hunter Valley a bunch of local acts, a couple of international ones. Uh, it's a really great day. Uh, we've been here for, what, just over 24 hours and had a splendid time. And so we picked a topic that I know is dear to Dave Garnham's heart. It's a topic that I probably wouldn't traverse with many other people, and it's in relation to our first podcast on UMI. Hi, Dave. What's your um, topic? Uh, I believe the topic is uh, Tim Rogers, if I'm reading the card right. <laughs> yeah, Tim Rogers of UMI and his solo work in general, because we covered UMI in the first um, episode, and I must mention that we're not splitting an entire case, because we did take care of some of that case last night, and we're splitting what is a black garbage bag in an esky full of beer and bourbon. So, where do we start? Well... I don't know, I guess we should maybe start uh, from the first solo Tim release, or maybe just first Tim memories. First Tim memories, Dave. Well, my first Tim memories, I think, was through UMI, I think, as is most people's case. Um, Yeah, I borrowed borrowed a CD, it was Hourly Daily, and that kind of sucked me in. Um, I remember seeing TV ads because I think it was, uh, I think they won some Arias or something. Yeah, with yeah, such a thing. Yes. Such a thing. <laughs> so I think I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to this. And yeah, like Cortez discovering the Pacific, <laughs> just an entire world kind of, uh, um, you know, just showed itself and kind of laid out the, the rest of my life for me, getting away from middle class selling insurance. It made me now want to... Uh, have no money and wish I was selling insurance and follow a life of a songwriter. It's funny that you mentioned you borrowed Hourly Daily because we were talking in the first podcast about the fact that both of our first memories of UMI is going to the library and borrowing CDs or borrowing it from a brother or a friend or a sibling. It was funny how now people will send download links or go and YouTube something. But yeah, we actually borrowed CDs in the mid-90s. A tangible thing. A tangible thing. (laughs) And so, okay, the first time... You heard Tim Solo, what would have been on What Rhymes With Cars and Girls? Yes, yes, it was uh, quite exciting as a, oh, I would have been 14 and I did work experience at the Currumburra Courthouse and I got a $25 check, which nice. meant I could then go to JB Hi-Fi and I purchased What Rhymes With Cars and Girls. Oh, nice. Um, I love that you remember where that check came from as well. That is forever <laughs> locked with that album. Uh, it, it, was, it was good times. And then, it was, and then obviously, uh, something that, that the kids today wouldn't know <laughs> is um, I then burnt the CD. Oh, no, it wasn't even called burnt. I taped it to a cassette tape. Okay. And you, you dubbed it to a cassette tape. That's it. I totes dubbed it. Um, and, and then that actually that lived in the car um, that I learnt to drive in. There you go. There's all these kind of, you know, things going on that bring me close to, to Timmy's, in particular that What Rhymes With Cars and Girls album, which I think is my number one Desert Island album. What yeah. sort of car was it? Uh, it was a 1980 toy... Oh, wait, it was a Holden Apollo. Nice. Navy one, yep. It, it, it had all four cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Pointy, your memories of What Rhymes With Cars and Girls, Tim Rogers' first solo album. 
Uh, I didn't really buy it at the time. Um, I listened, obviously heard the singles, like Left My Heart All Over The Place and You've Been So Good To Me So Far. Uh, but yeah, I probably bought it maybe in the early 2000s from JB Hi-Fi as well. Um, <laughs> but the story's not so grand. <laughs> well, you know how we were talking in that first podcast about seeing Tim Rogers supporting Missy Higgins a few years later on the Luxury of Hysteria tour? Um, Weirdly enough, like I was always a fan of UMI from number four and then working back and then forward once they started releasing albums like Deliverance, but I hadn't actually heard any more solo than the bonus disc of Dress Me Slowly. Um, but I went with a friend on Missy Higgins' first tour of um, first tour of New Zealand where I was living, and my friend uh, said, "Can we go down to Auckland? I'd, I'd really love to see Missy Higgins." I'm like, "Yeah, I'll come to Auckland." And um, sitting in the theatre at the top of this casino, this record was playing, and like the whole record, I think played while waiting for Missy Higgins and her support act and I was like god that sounds like UMI but it's acoustic and it doesn't sound like UMI it kind of sounds like that bonus disc and um I didn't shazam it because obviously that's not a thing <laughs> then but um you would have been a very rich man if you could have <laughs> had that technology at that time but I did go home and look it up and I'm like holy shit he's got a solo album if I'm not getting it wrong it was on, on the back of the release of What Rhymes With Cars And Girls that he won Best Male Artist, the Aria, and that was the one. That was the year that Harry Connick Jr. Oh, yeah, had it. Was that all? Yeah. Oh, what was it? Oh, can what I happens? borrow? Well, Harry Connick Jr. was our guest. You know how our, they seem to do that. Yeah. Get one For American. An <laughs> because it, it's like the Logies. Because Some clearly Logies. our talent is not enough, so we need to get someone international. Because that's what. Yeah. Sorry, ranty here. No, it's good. Yeah. That reminds me. <laughs> Remember they had? Uh, is his name Dean Kane? And he was the Superman, Superman oh, of the TV wow, series. Yeah. He, he was the Logie dude one year, and um, yeah, so oh, in Dean Kane esque, Harry Connick Jr. kind of had a random <laughs> shot at Timmy over his hairdo, and then I think Powderfinger, then yeah, they Bernard won. And Fanning had a go at him back. Yeah. yeah. But, um... Oh, that's awesome. Good on you, Bernard. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, what rhymes for cars and girls, uh, we actually did go to the anniversary show in, yeah. in Manly. Yeah. I think that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was really good. Did you get a chance to see that at all? No, I was devastated. I think I, I saw a thing on YouTube after it happened. I think the one, because yeah. obviously living in Darwin makes it a bit tough. But yeah, when I saw it, and they, they, they did it in chronological order. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's oh God, God, yeah. It was amazing. And what did he end with? He ended with eight days a week? Yeah, like they, they played the album oh, and yeah, then played yeah. a bunch of other stuff at the end, a couple of covers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. But we, um... We obviously went down to Sydney for that and it was like at the Manly Fishos, like a workers club type environment and like you kind of had to sign in and show your ID and go upstairs past the pokey room and go into this kind of function room, which I mean, it all seemed very fitting, but it, it was great and I think we stayed at this, it was kind of like a hostel, but it was almost like a halfway house of like like single mid-40s divorced men microwaving soup. <laughs> um, kind of felt bad, it was like, should we really be here? We're just here for fun and I don't think anyone else here is having fun. No. Some of that doesn't seem out of place with the album. No. Like, <laughs> like I say, it's still my favourite album but it kind of smacks of Rudy Hill RSL. It was a completely immersive experience <laughs> that night. Uh, for those that, that don't know, uh, Moose turned 28 uh, the other day and the, the first thing I asked him was have you been flogging 28 all day? Because that was my favourite part of turning 28. I meant to and I was so excited about that and how old are you Dave? 
I'm uh, the ripe old age of 30. I think, to be honest, I think I was on tour actually when I turned 28, but I think I may have commemorated it with a uh, Facebook post. <laughs> uh, Do you with... remember that somehow related to you? Yep, yep. It's up there on YouTube if you ever want to, if anyone out there is about to turn 28, you know post that YouTube link. You have to. It's a thing. But um, no, I meant to do it all day and it wasn't until about 10 minutes to midnight I was home. We'd had a large dinner with lots of sangria and it was great. And then I was like, shit, I meant to listen to that song at some point today. And so funnily enough, um, being in bed with an iPad, I was just like, oh, fuck it, I'll look it up on YouTube. And I did. <laughs> hey. And I sat there and listened to it. <laughs> so I did fit it in. I'm very ashamed that you only got it in in the last 10 minutes. You oh. had all day. <laughs> it was a busy day. I had a lot of things on. <laughs> and you're actually planning a wedding at the moment, so it's uh, it's very fitting. It is. 28, planning a wedding, seating plans. Less about marquees, but I am having kind of one on hold, so just in case. Yeah. Cool, okay, so uh, so What Rhymes With Cars and Girls was the first uh, solo Timmy outing. After that would have been the, the bonus disc for Dress Me Slowly. Well, yeah. I think, unless we're going to count Tim Rogers and the Temperance Union, because I think it went Tim, Timmy solo on that, and then Tim Rogers and the Temperance Union put out an album called Spit Polish. Yeah, yeah, of course, but was that before that Dress Me after. Slowly? No, I, I reckon that was before... Oh, ooh, it's, it's a real point of contention. I, I reckon it was pre. Yeah, no, I, I will put a long neck on it. I think it was definitely pre. Dress me slowly. Okay, I can do this. My phone is but currently charging I, back in the I area. I bet my house on Dress Me Slowly came out in 2001, and Spit Polish came out in 2004. Uh, actually, I'm now. <laughs> nah, you're regretting. I gotta this say bet though, now. I gotta say though, of all of both of your bets, he's betting a long neck. You're betting your house. <laughs> I'm quite so, sure of this. Yeah. It's a much more serious bet. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure now because I think I can remember. Hey, here's another thing for the kids. Uh, watching <laughs> a V special that someone taped because that was like the one kid on Phillip Island that had had pay TV. Oh, taped. Awesome taped the, the uh, Channel um, Channel V special of them playing. I think they commemorated it with a live show in Luna Park. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah. Me slowly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that happened when I was still in school, and I think, yeah, Spit Polish came out a couple of years later. I won't, I won't even Google it. I'll, I, 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 I owe you a long neck. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, then there's so the which was actually called I think the the bonus disc on Dress Me Slowly was called the Temperance yeah. Union. Um, it was indeed, yeah. Which was amazing because I thought like I I think that's an amazing uh, bonus disc. Yeah. I, it's got some amazing songs in it, and I think where um, what rhymes with cars and girls, although it used a lot of country instruments, I think the. Um, the, kind of the hokiness on that bonus disc, like just the way that he sung and the harmonies, uh, the melodies, yeah. it, it had a more of a, you know, uh, kind of country hickness to it, yeah. which um, which I, I hadn't heard from Tim before. Well, look, I, I loved it purely because when you get bonus discs for things, they're usually of B-sides or live things, or it's not really ever a kind of solo EP by yeah, the lead something in itself yeah. it's usually just an aside and that no. was something in itself I loved it and he still plays a lot of those tracks when we see him live yeah I listened to that I think I did mention on the first podcast I listened to that um, bonus disc quite a lot when I was uh, going through some tough times and it definitely pulled me through it's, uh, it's a great on one you, Timmy. 
Alright, so now we can um, go to Spit Polish. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I thought um, with that album, I thought the first half of that album was cracking, um, but then it kind of lost me a bit with uh, Letter to Jean and, and the last half of the album. I know I, it seems sacrilegious to, to say something bad, but when you, when you love someone so much, you feel comfortable enough to, uh, you know, probably be a little bit cricket critical. But I think in terms of opening tracks on an album goes, that Some Fella's Heartbreaker... Oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely a heartbreaker. Oh, it's an <laughs> absolute and masterpiece. Time and distance as well as yeah, as oh. a secondary companion to that kind of very similar instrumentation feels very similar. But I kind of like Letters to Gene. I think it's cute, but it's not it, yeah, it's not consistent with a lot of the rest of the album. Mm. Although yeah. Damn Songs is pretty yeah. amazing, and that's at the end of the album. That's it's a pretty damn good track. Yeah, I must admit, I think I get to halfway and, and then I push stop. I know that's sacrilegious. Which is not something you can do with what rhymes in cars and, with cars and girls. It's just, that's a complete set in its own. It doesn't ever waver. It doesn't ever yeah. fall off the wagon. Well, it's funny because I, I know with some songs you can kind of uh, fall in and out of love with. I must admit, I never used to be able to stand up a ways. Um, and then after a few listens, and and I think with some songs like that, if you see it done live as well, all of a sudden yeah. the switch goes, yeah. and it's like, hang on. This song I've been hating on is actually all right. But Upper Ways was, funnily enough, it wasn't the track I gravitated towards straight away, but it hit me right in the chest because it was really funny hearing... The woman that sings on that track has an incredibly broad Australian accent. And I was in... I don't know if that's an Australian accent, and I'm Australian. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Put another shrimp like on the bar. Put another shrimp Put on the Australian barbie. accent on. Well done. So, um, yeah, I, I heard that. In New Zealand, in amongst years and years of Kiwi accents and a Kiwi girlfriend and getting to know that accent quite well, and I was like, oh, wait, hold on, that rings a bell, that sound is... is I, I love the sound of her voice purely because of the broad accent. Yeah, for Reminded sure. me of something. Mm. Uh, well, on the back half of Spit Polish, there's uh, almost a callback to the Temperance Union disc because there's uh, Only Understand Her in the Rain, which is... Essentially, dreaming from that Temperance Union EP. Oh, is that off that album? Only Understand the Rain is definitely off that album. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I must admit, I, I didn't appreciate. Well, I don't it's think on the it... last half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> it's on the <laughs> it, 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 it's on the dark side of the disc. <laughs> yeah, I must. I don't think um, that that didn't hold me in the in the new translation. Um, I much prefer the uh, the original version of that as well. Well, yeah, for sure. And actually, did you know as well, um, what is it, the Hillbilly Killers? The, yeah. Because I think they, they took a couple of the tracks, um, no, no, they're actually off um, off the Temperance Union EP. Um, they kind of grabbed a few tracks off them. And, and reinterpreted them. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've seen them do uh, The Man You Want Me To Be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Saw a couple of YouTube videos on that. Sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, another great song. Around the period of those first two albums, did you see Timmy live in solo around that time at all? Oh, um, I don't reckon I did. I reckon I only ever saw you on my shows. Mm. I remember I went to see uh, when Spit Polish came out at the Bar on the Hill in, yeah. in Newcastle. I don't know if it was for around the launch or afterwards, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I remember it being a cracking gig. Uh, Tim was selling his own merch. Actually asked um, myself and a couple of mates to, to mine the stand for him so he could go have a drink and have a smoke. And Then he uh, gave us each a poster and signed it for us afterwards which is actually hanging up in my in my kitchen it so. is indeed yeah oh, not a bad poster i think i remember this now i i have i saw timmy solo 
it at the Corova Bar, Coroma. It's in Bendigo. But anyhow, I went there. I'd kind of been drinking all day, and actually, the first time that I'd met Tim, and I kind of wanted to go say good day to him. So he was, he was having a look at the jukebox, yeah. and I, I just walk up and like, like such a knob. I'm just like, <laughs> so Tim, anything good on the jukebox? <laughs> and, and I'm just standing there with my arms at my side, kind of swinging. <laughs> and then he's kind of just looked at me with that like kind of what look. And then I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm Dave. I'm a, I'm a fan. Did you want to have a beer? And then it was, then it was fantastic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It kind of reminds me of um, one of my lecturers at uni who has a great knowledge of music and it was seemed like a really cool guy and um, for some reason I always managed to get tongue-tied and say stupid things around <laughs> him and I went to have some kind of review of some kind of assignment and I was walking down the hall with him and it went awkwardly silent and so I said so how are you doing <laughs> Oh, let's go. And he didn't, he didn't say anything. He just looked at me. He just turned and looked at me and kept walking. Did he, did he like, think that was a pass or I something? don't know. So, how are you doing? I, th- I think he took the advice, you know, if you can't say something nice, then <laughs> don't say anything. <laughs> no, fair enough. But, um... The next Timmy solo album was Ghost Song slash Dirty Run, the double album, and... I really liked Ghost Songs better. I connected with Ghost Songs straight away, and I know that most, or a lot of people love Dirty Ron, but it was Ghost Songs that really got me. How about you guys? Yeah, I, I kind of liked them both. Like, I, I did like... Dirty Ron was pretty dirty. Mm. Like, uh, like, songs like Rats and, and yeah. Shit. Yeah, Like, man, they're just so... They're gross, yeah. in a way. But, yeah. yeah, I'm the same. I love both of those discs. Yeah. Uh, Kalgoorlie, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, who you setting up your house for? Like, there's just oh, so yeah. many great songs on on both of those discs. Yeah. And um, yeah, Ghost Songs is pretty heartbreaking. Like, yeah. you can you can definitely feel that record when you play it. But I think that was that was around the time in my life though. Can you know how you certain records hit certain times in your life and you're like, okay, that makes more sense to me right now. And that was that was where Dirty Run suffered. I didn't really get into Dirty Run until later. But just like the combination of um, Paperboy's Social Pages Tonight near the end of the record is yeah. just spectacular yeah like I think yeah that quite often that um, because uh, there was a lot of co- collaborations because it was Missy Higgins Rebecca Barnard no, that, yeah that was Rebecca um, Barnard on that album yeah. and also was it Donna from, from the, the Waves, Waves. Yeah. and that was on that song yeah. tonight yeah that's, when they do the spoken word kind of intro and they talk to each other super soccer yeah. yeah that's right. banging it against the wall yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally uh, let's go. and was it because also correct me if I'm wrong was singer-songwriter blues was that on Dirty Ron or am I like grabbing that from a random other it, it's on that record I don't know what disc it's on though I don't know what disc it's on yeah, yeah. you might have to google that <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, no bets though uh, I feel like it would be on Ghost Songs I'm, yeah. I'm going with that yeah. it was on Ghost Songs I think ooh. so I could be wrong ooh, ooh. I'm not sure. betting my house on that <laughs> maybe a 375 mil yeah. of two is new I'll, I'll bet a can in you sure but that's I think that's just an, another example of um, you know just really clever writing like mm. um, like it's just some of those lines are genius and it kind of walks that line of kind of being a little bit funny but not being that funny that it becomes like a parody yeah, song it's, oh, yeah. it, it, it's real yeah which I think like um, who I think is fantastic at it and I think he's the best in the world you know, have you heard much of John Prine stuff 
Uh, not really. Like, I know it's he's referenced in, in Damage, <laughs> and I do have one of his records that I uh, that I downloaded, but I, I can't say that I really know much. And did you download that because of the reference in Damage? I did, yeah. yeah. I think I did the same with the Smiths. So I think because there's a Smiths reference on there the is. Temperance Union yeah. thing. So. Um, John Prine is someone I hear, especially by country artists as well, referenced, like, all the time, and... I've always meant to get into him and listen to more of him, but I just haven't. Yeah. Uh, well, who was it that supported Tim the other night in uh, King Cumber? It was the uh, it was Melody and uh, supposed to be Michael, but it was actually um, someone filling in for Melody and Michael. Actually, the other half of um, Hillbilly Killers with Bill, Catherine, and Tim. Um, so they kind of are the other two. Um, but yeah, it was Melody and her husband was at home with the baby. So. Yeah, well, they did actually, uh, Melody did a cover of a John Prine song. Yeah. And yeah. they also did a cover of a Towns Van Sant song. Yeah. I think they, um, what did they do? Waiting Round to Die. Right. Well, I think uh, Ghost Song's Dirty Ron is head and shoulders above Spit Polish for me. Like, oh, I yeah. I really do love Spit Polish, but I, I think that double record just really does it. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I agree. Because, yeah, that's, you know, I think a big part of that is, you know, Shane O'Mara. Like, he's a bit of a lord, really. Oh, yeah. He's, he's amazing, but both, not just his playing, but he produced all those albums as well, didn't he? Oh, I, I def- definitely, um, definitely go songs later on. Yeah, I think Spit Polish as well. Did he do the first one? No, I can't remember. Was who... someone else on the first one? Yeah. 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 But, like, I'm pretty sure he's got his own studio or, like, a home studio or something. And Tim Yikesville. Just, yeah, yeah, Yikesville. And he just loves to go and hang out with him and drink whiskey and record albums. Bourbon which is, and orange. Which is, yeah, it's a good thing. Stay up late night. Uh, do you guys remember, at the time of the release of Ghost Songs, Dirty Wrong, there was a special on, uh, I think it might have been on Music Max at the time. And uh, basically, uh, Tim had a bunch of friends on, like, it was... Uh, Tim and Temperance Union, but I think Dave Larkin played some songs Barnes with them. Uh, Jimmy Barnes was there. Yeah, Tex Perkins that? was yeah, there. I, think I, uh, I was staying with my um, cousin at the time because we just got back from New Zealand to Australia, so I was staying with my cousin and they had pay TV, and, and I think I saw part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually got a copy um, in the mail because I used to be um, a fairly avid poster on the UMI forum uh, back in the day. And I actually received in the mail off um, Macca, who actually was on did the end of the Macca first. on the forum? I, I did, yeah. Uh, so, so he actually mailed me a copy of, of that recording and, yeah, it was great. Funnily enough, I had a very similar experience, but we didn't actually become friends afterwards. Um, I posted it on the Big Day Out forum. Didn't really post, but read, and that's where there was a bunch of music nerds who um, posted new stuff. And I think I'd, I'd gone to this Sheerhard concert in Altea Square in Auckland uh, when they released Love is the New Hate, and they just had a free concert and ten, like 10,000 people packed into the square and all around the surrounding streets. And um, I was in, I think, the end of high school, and was mates with someone who owned a music shop and somehow or another they had like the front media pit passes so we were kind of in there but um, I mentioned to him that we went and oh I'd really love to see it because it was filmed for pay TV and he's like oh we have pay TV I taped it the other day I'll send it to you and my name on the forum was Sponge Monkeys <laughs> and um, and one day I think mum or dad or someone came into my room with a, like a package and said 
are you sponge monkeys? <laughs> and I said, I said, yes. She's like, there's mail for you. I was like, oh, great. And I, I still have that burnt copy of She Heard live. So let me clarify. On the envelope, it said <laughs> sponge monkey. I'm pretty sure I gave it my name, but it was just... He didn't address it to my name. He had just addressed it to Sponge Monkey at my address. That's awesome. That is fantastic. I love that story. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so the next Timmy record after Go Song Steady Wrong was indeed The Luxury of Hysteria, which was a, a very different uh, sound to the previous record. Oh, uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Because this was the one that he, like, he started his own uh, record label for it. Was that the one? Yeah. And Connor oh, released it Ruby himself? Ruby Q? Q? Yeah. yeah. We, we sound very sure of that, don't Ruby, we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Ruby something. Yeah, well, it, it, I didn't... Um, yeah, I thought it was good, but I must admit I probably, you know, didn't... Uh, didn't get into it as I much? didn't jump into it, no. Hmm. It's definitely a completely different sound to Go Songs, Dirty Ron and, mm. and Spit Polish. Um, but yeah, some pretty lush arrangements on there and there's some pretty killer songs like James II, mm. I think, is, is pretty amazing. Um, I really liked it in that it was really intricate. There were lots of different pieces. It, um, it didn't feel quite right at times for some of the strings. Some of it didn't fit, like, I mean, and that's being really critical because it was a, like, really well done record. But, I mean, when you're, when you're sad when that came out, mm. it just didn't sound like any solo Timmy previously. I mean, that could have been a UMI song in the right circumstances, but, um, I really just like how thought out and intricate that record was. Did we go to a couple of shows at the the basement for that release? Yeah, and he was playing with Louis Macklin. Yeah. Yeah. And it was on piano, and one of the nights he was really sick with a cold, and one of the nights um, he was great. I mean, it was great both nights, but he was really well. But wasn't that when he was recording the shows live, as in you could buy a CD after? Yeah, I've got all of those shows. (laughs) I uh, bought them in this, like, uh, wooden box set. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, I do remember that was one of the first times I met him as well, and I, I did the same thing as, as Dave. I walked up with my arms kind of swinging to my side, and I was like, "Hi, oh, Tim." I was at the bar, and he's like, "Oh, hi, how you going?" It was really nice, really calm, and I just said, "Oh, really good." I just want to say your music means like it means so much to me. Like it really means something to me. And he turned around, and I think he'd had a few, and he just wrapped his big old arms around me and gave me a really tight hug and said, "Thank you very much." I was like, "Oh." That was lovely. How are you doing? <laughs> so, how are you doing? If only you're in a in an alley and he was your. <laughs> I don't think that's that that situation quite. All right, so you might notice a discernible difference in quality and background noise. We. Hey, uh, hey, hey. Not a difference in quality, it's still quality. Sound quality I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, we had a quick equipment malfunction. Luckily, we did save the rest of the podcast and most of the podcast, but um, we thought we'd finish it off uh, in another room near the stage and um, use my trusty iPhone. So, just quickly backtracking, I think we forgot about TNT. Dave, what's TNT? Uh, T and T, Tim and Tex. What was the name of the album? My Better Half. Yeah, that's My right. Better half, yeah. My Better Half. Yeah, and there was, of course, with the uh, iconic uh, album art of Tim and Tex being doing the John and Yoko. That's the best. It's pretty good. But, um, yeah, interesting album. I thought there were a couple of really cool songs on there, uh, self-deprecating, but and then uh, also a song about Cunnilingus as well. So, yeah, kind of 
went the gamut, and uh, I think it got a bit silly at some parts, but still, I thought some of the tracks were, were crackers. And on the sweeter side, that album contained Dinosaurs as well, which is a beautiful song. Dinosaurs and You Should See Her Now, that's a, a very nice song. Yeah. Uh, also, there's uh, Hate, Hate Your City, which was actually recorded for Dress Me Slowly originally and, oh, wow. and never released. Wow. It was actually one of the demos from, from that record. But, uh, but yeah, like I agree, there's some uh, hilarious songs on there, some uh, some great covers. I think there's a, a Rod Stewart one, uh, Tonight Tonight. Yes! And we saw, um, we saw them live at a um, festival called Legs Eleven, I think it was a charity festival maybe, um, but it, uh, it's a night not to be spoken about really. Uh, it's one of those uh, nights that should go down in legend but never be spoken about. But uh, they played with... Um, the Sydney, Sydney Youth Orchestra, yeah. Sydney Youth Symphony, yeah, right. Tim and Tex. It was, it was kind of good. Right, doing doing shows off that album. Doing or? shows off that album, yeah, stuff off that album and both of their solo albums. Right, yeah. yeah I think I to sound like a knob. I think I actually got to see them when they toured Dublin um, when I was doing the backpacking thing, which I'm pretty sure that album was probably just an excuse for yeah, for them to hang out yeah. and just just have a boozy boozy tour. Yeah, but look, that's a fantastic album, but not one I listen to a lot repeatedly anymore. Like, I, it's 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 kind of an of the time album, and yeah, I love that it's an excuse for the two of them to play. But there is a few great songs on it. I actually uh, saw them play together. I think it might have been before the record came out. They did a show at the Comedy Store uh, in oh, Sydney. Yeah, it was, and then it was before yeah before the album came out. So they were sort of just like trading songs and going, oh, okay, play something from the Beast Suburban and go. And it was a really, I don't know, intimate but very strange gig. It was hilarious. Yeah. All right, so from there, the only other uh, Tim solo album that we've really had is um, Roger Sings, Roger Stone. Yeah, well, uh, I think that came out maybe two years ago, uh, yeah. thereabouts. And, yeah, it's a really strong record, but it's a bit of a hodgepodge as far as the, the sounds on there. But I think it still hangs together pretty well. What's the, what's the whole story about the... Shell Roger Stone thing, the guy he met on the train and uh, ended up being from Newcastle. Was that ever actually a thing or was that just... I don't know, I do remember, I kind of, I did look into that, but I thought it was just him making a gag about like, it's like a play on Hammerstein. Yeah. That's what I thought it was yeah. to start with. That's what I thought it was as well, but he took that pretty far. Yeah. And there was like a video from Shell Rogerstein, and it was quite, it, it was quite well done, so it made me kind of question it, which I guess is, I guess is very classic Tim though. Yeah, did you guys see those videos uh, before Dilettantes came out? That was kind of that was sort of similar in in style to that. Very much so. And there was the um, the awkward rock journalist as well with that record. The video of him talking to the awkward rock journalist. Yeah, I felt awful because the journalist's name was Aaron, and I was like, oh, that's oh. horrible. <laughs> clearly, clearly, Aaron, he was talking about his past experiences with you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Tim's just you know he's done it all. He's a genius, and so now I think he's just fucking with us, I think. <laughs> you know, but I think he's at the point of his life and his career where he can, and that's okay. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Alright, fantastic. So that is pretty much the entire Timmy Solo career. Any further memories of Timmy Solo Live you might want to add? Oh, um, oh, I do remember, I think I saw him play one, probably the first gig after that whole, uh, 
was it Falls Festival in Lawn? Yeah, the Falls Festival, Missy Higgins debacle. Yeah, that, that, that we won't speak about. Yeah, that, that, let's not talk about this any further. No. I, um, but I think I you did a gig at the ESPY. I think it was a benefit for I don't know some form of uh, natural disaster from memory. Um, and yeah, I, I don't I, whether it was because I think a lot of people were going to be paying attention because every everyone was murmuring about that thing. Um, but yeah, he just knocked it out of the park. Like, yeah, I don't think his voice was. Uh, uh, I don't think it was just spot on and perfect that day, and really clear. Yeah. And like, he might shit on himself in terms of his voice, but way too much. He does. Really, yeah, he, he does pay himself out. But you know, he's got a fantastic voice when it's when it's there. Yeah. yeah. And it's all about the feeling in his voice, too. Nobody could do those songs quite as well as that man. Oh, yeah, the personality, the, the character in it, it's, um, it's great. Okay, so that's the, uh, the pointy end of the podcast, so uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, as I said, you can check out Dave Gunham's record, Love Inside a Jar. He's a fantastic songwriter and a uh, pretty damn good singer himself. And you can catch him touring around the place, especially if you live in Darwin. He'll be around. Tell all your friends. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a delight. And uh, we should probably go out with a song from Dave Gunham and the Reasons to Live. Dave, recommendation? Uh, we may as well go the title track, I reckon. It's called right. Love Inside a Jar. Me, I'm treading water till this whole thing it blows over. And maybe happiness in my move a little closer. Now the time and it feels right to hit the bottle every night and burn those bridges. Those which I'm yet to cross Feel a little older now the time and it feels right.